hello, hello, my friends. Greetings and welcome to Smoking and Toasting. This is the program that's all about craft beer and uh, distilled spirits and something else. Oh, yeah, premium cigars. Welcome, cigars. Uh, welcome, Ian Barry, my co-host. How are you, sir? So far, I'm doing great. How good, are you? Good. I'm doing fantastic. Welcome to show number 52. Uh, we are uh, thrilled to be here, and we just want to very quickly uh, thank our sponsor. We're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Avenue in Houston. And we were there for last week's show and had, if you haven't gone uh, back and listened to last week's show, number 51, I kind of feel like it's one of the better shows that we've ever had. It just uh, Dan Crowell from Glenmorangie was there. He was so fun. He was so fun. He brought great whiskey. We talked about it all. We paired it with, uh, what was it, four different cigars. We yeah, each, had, yeah. each of the four of us had a different cigar. So we worked on the pairings and how it all matched up and the different uh, – um, <clears throat> editions of Glenmorangie that he brought. Uh, oh, Glenmorangie. This is what I learned last week yes. was to say it correctly. So I'm learning as we do this show that I've been pronouncing pretty much every single whiskey incorrectly. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> <laughs> some of the, just so you, you know, just to back you up on it, some of those names are pretty ridiculous. Yes, they are. I mean, imagine my surprise when I found out that it was actually called Macker's Mark and not Maker's. That was just a complete. Uh, oh, no, I did have that one right. Okay, sorry. I didn't know that. Uh, hey, no, I'm sorry. I'm just, now I have to call it Macker's Mark everywhere <laughs> no, I go. I'm making that. I, up. I know. I'm just but uh, <laughs> but anyway, it, it's I was getting most whiskeys wrong. Right. Let's just say that <laughs> Maker's Mark. I think I had <clears throat> that and uh, uh, Jack Daniels. I got that. Jack Daniels, right? Yeah. yeah so. And Jim Blam. Don't and forget Jim Blam. And Jim Blam. Yes. So welcome to the show. We have uh, some great things to taste today, and uh, I will say that next. Um, Next Wednesday, August 16th, uh, which is next Wednesday as we're doing this show, is International Rum Day. So I thought about uh, tasting a rum today, but then I thought, no, let's do it on the week of. Yeah. So we'll be a day late. We'll do a rum uh, next week. Today, however, we will be tasting the Sueno de Atzo, uh, which I believe loosely translates to Atzo's Dream. Sueño de Atzo. Uh, it's an extra Añejo tequila, and I've never tried this before. As you can see, Ian, I want you to confirm this now. The seal is still on this bottle. I am noticing that. And this is, this is you know, important to note because I've had this bottle for a couple of days. And uh, so I just want to, <laughs> it to be noted yourself? the great restraint that I show. <laughs> well, I had all that whiskey that was left over from last week. So uh, I, I'm so bad. Like, if I buy a bottle, I'm like a kid with a new toy as soon as Oh, I, I know. Home, you want like, to taste it right away. Yeah. So, absolutely. <clears throat> so I've, uh, I've kept from doing this. And I've also kept from tasting any of the beers we're going to have today. But I'm really excited about all three of them. Uh, I, uh, uh, Stone Brewing has a new IPA called Ghost Hammer. Now this is supposed this to be is, sessionable. This is a day where you brought everything. I brought everything. So yes. this is none yes. of this is my fault. None of this can be blamed on you. <laughs> well, I know you like Stone Brewing, and I like IPAs. And these Stone does, I think, more IPAs. A higher uh, percentage of their portfolio is IPAs than any other brewery that I know of. They're just really big into the IPA game, and they have a tendency to do big. You know, meaty kind of IPAs. This one I'm not sure because it's supposed to be a more sessionable beer. So we'll get to that. Uh, I also brought this is just going to be fun to talk about. It's a limited release ale from Lagunitas. It's called Wilco Tango Foxtrot, which, or which is WTF. WTF, yes, exactly. So excited about that. And Lagunitas, <laughs> they, I mean, that's just a great brewery. Yes. We've had some great, great stuff from them. And then <clears throat> I went to the DQ not long ago. And put my hands on a bottle of Wicked Weed Medora. 
Yes. It's an American sour ale with blackberries and raspberries, so we'll be tasting that as well. So that sounds like a good I'm time. thinking that this is going to be a really good tasting show. But again, haven't haven't really tried any of these yet. So that's we'll a, that's see. a little more diverse <clears throat> than sometimes when I just bring barley wines. Yeah, yeah what you bring? I brought three barley wines. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember what was it like two shows ago where yeah. nothing you brought was less than like eight and a half percent of ABV. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so this will be. I think an interesting, you know, an interesting cross section. So looking forward to that. And we got a lot, to, lot to do, a lot to talk about. The war on cigars continues. New York City. Oh my God, say it isn't so. If you're planning on going to the Big Apple for a cigar uh, fest or just uh, just to go cigar shopping, you're going to want to do it in the next year. I'll tell you all about that. Uh, the craft beer wars continue to amp up. One of the ones I thought would never go. Has gone to the big boys. Anchor Brewing has been That's sold. crazy, yes. isn't it? Because they've yes. been around forever, Forever. Too. They're credited with starting the whole craft beer revolution. So uh, so we'll tell you about that. Uh, we, If we have time today, we'll talk about the eight best bourbons not from Kentucky. A very interesting little list uh, that I found. And, of course, the, uh, <clears throat> the big smoke tickets are on sale. Uh, Ian and I will be there doing some shows live in uh, November. So we're looking forward to it, and we hope that some of you will come out and join. I actually am so excited I can hardly contain myself. Well, you love you love Vegas, even though you're not a gambling man. <laughs> yeah, I'm not much of a gambler, but Vegas I love is Vegas a blast. and I am a gambling man. Yeah, so, uh, so a... you'll just have to be the one dragging me out of the casino. At we're gonna we're gonna 4 drag you going, to the, Come on, we got to do a show tomorrow. We're gonna drag you to the Double Down. That's a, <laughs> that's basically <laughs> like if you live in Houston, you probably know what Lola's is. That's about yep. as dive as a bar gets. Yep. The Double Down is the is the Vegas version. Good. Of Let's that. go. It's, it's a beautiful place. Let's go. I can't wait. So we'll be smoking cigars and having a good time and uh, lining up some great cigar guests for the shows that we'll that we'll put together out there so that's all gonna be good. speaking of cigars you smoke anything interesting this week i did i did uh oddly enough i just saw on your uh on your uh show notes here that you had a crowned heads uh, and oddly enough i uh had a crown heads myself i didn't know it was a crown heads when i picked up a cigar the yeah. cigar looked good i picked it up it was called a headley grange headley grange headley grange the original uh version of this cigar uh, was created, and I quote here, I have it right here, it says, uh, let's see, John Huber wanted to create a cigar that tasted as distinctive as the opening drumbeat of Led Zeppelin's When the Levee Breaks. Well, dude, that's about as distinctive as a drumbeat gets. Right, which so, was recorded at a studio in England called Headley Grange. Oh, so there you go. This so this is a Crownheads Headley Grange uh, Black Dog, which is their- Which, of course, is one of the biggest the Madura, Led Zeppelin right, right, ever, right. yeah. And- on the same album as when the levy breaks. Right, so of I you know, I just happened into all this. No, I read it, it about all, it after I chose my cigar. It all felt uh, <laughs> it all felt right once you looked and saw that that was the case, right? <laughs> it really did. So I picked this up. It was it's the uh, uh Crown Heads Heli Grange Black Dog Estupendos. That's okay. the size, which is a five and a half by fifty-two. So it's um, a fit like medium-sized cigar. Not yeah, medium, huge, about a nine-dollar uh, cigar, yeah. uh-huh. and uh, and I picked up. It looked great. The the feel, the tactile on this was really nice, solid feeling cigar. Uh, not a real oily wrapper, but a nice uh, a nice uh, uh, Connecticut Habano Maduro wrapper. Mm-hmm. It felt real solid. Uh, the construction was really nice. Um, the prelate draw was mocha and earth a lot. You know. Nice. The uh, punch had a medium. I, I I opened it up with a punch and had a medium draw. A lot of coffee, mocha, kind of like a baking spice sweetness kind of really interesting taste to it, which was interesting. A little bit of pepper. Um, uh, the initial light was a very sharp pepper flavor, like right off the bat, uh, and coffee and mocha. 
and then uh, for the first third of this, those mellowed out substantially. Nice. Um, it became light pepper just on the tip of the tongue, a uh, lot of sweet mocha, big smoke to it, big silky smoke. It was great first third of the uh, cigar. I uh, I always say guitar instead of cigar. I think you know what I'm thinking about. <laughs> I had about a one inch ash before I uh, before I tipped it, before I felt like it was going to fall on me, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and I had to tend to just a little bit at the very beginning. I never had an issue with it after that. Never had to tend it after that. Second third of this, the creamy coffee flavors came out, nice and big. Still a lot of sweetness. Um, the smoke got even bigger and silkier, which I really nice. like. Big mouthful of smoke yeah. on this. The third third texture to it, right? The third, yeah, the last third of the cigar, the uh, the the pepper, uh, the flavor overall, and pepper ramped up substantially, and then it kind of became almost a one dimensional kind of flavor, which was not a bad thing. It was pretty good, but it was a much bigger, almost full flavor cigar for the mm-hmm. last third mm-hmm. of it. I smoked it pretty close to the end. Uh, I'm going to give this one a six on a uh, on a uh, price to quality scale. That puts it just above. You get what you pay for, and I was really happy with it. I would have it again. Well, I have uh, done a few raves here recently, but uh, I have to. You will recall that I actually texted you a picture of this as I was smoking it yes. and said, uh, "Oh, this is a an amazing s- smoke." Mm-hmm. Um, you gave me at last week's uh, show at B and B, which we occasionally do exchange cigars, uh, although. You brought me a couple today, and I brought you nothing, so I'm kind of feeling like an El Chipo here. But uh, <laughs> uh, you gave me the Crown Heads La Imperiosa, La Imperiosa Corona Grande. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't know when uh, I got it or when I smoked it, actually, that it was Crowned Heads. I went looking it up because I wanted to see what the size was called, and that was when I discovered, because it just said La Imperiosa right, right. on the band. Uh, but that was when I discovered that it was, in fact, a crowned heads. And so we both had crowned heads before and have, I think, a pretty decent respect for yeah, their, for their I haven't product. haven't had any bad crowned heads. Uh, crowned heads are made in the My Father's Cigar Factory mm-hmm. in Nicaragua. So uh, right away, you know there's a certain level of quality that you can probably expect from the cigar. Uh, this one is a, a fairly small cigar, beautifully constructed. Uh, it was uh, it was made with an uh, Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper, Nicaraguan binder and fillers. The pre-light was fairly basic. It was just good, like, tobacco aromas. I liked it, but it wasn't one of those things where you smelled it and went, oh. Right. You know, it was just good and basic. But then I lit it up. It lit easily. First couple of puffs left a little bit of bitterness, but that went away in like the fifth puff, you know, so it could have just been the way I lit it. Um, it settled down, and I have to tell you, I'm starting to love the flavor profile of thinner cigars because they're just so much concentrated flavor. A little if, more intense, If yeah. it's a really good, you know, uh, blend of tobacco. And uh, this one came on with wonderful complexity, just a few puffs in. Uh, good chocolate notes, as many of the Nicaraguans have. Uh, some salted caramel, hint of black pepper, but not too peppery. It wasn't, the pepper didn't, like, overpower on this one. Wonderfully complexed. Um, I I owe you, Ian. This was a medium to full-bodied winner. As good a cigar as I've had in a while. Um, an 8 to $9 cigar and well worth it. Price to quality, I'm going to give it a solid 8 Nice. And uh, I do have one question. Do you have any more? I do. Oh, we will talk. You're listening to Smoking and Toasting. Ghost Hammer IPA will be tasted. Coming up. It's all right. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. 
And we are so glad to have you listening as we do episode number 52. So that's basically, now I know we skipped a couple of weeks, Ian, uh, but 52 is like just on the calendar. That's a year's worth of shows. That's pretty fantastic. So I guess in, in some ways this is kind of sort of like our one year anniversary. So happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to you. I never um, thought of it that way. On the anniversary, on the 52nd anniversary show, another one has bit the dust, and it's a big one this time. Uh, when I say that, I'm talking about craft breweries being purchased by the big guys. Now, there's a whole other discussion. Maybe we'll have time to, yeah, maybe we'll have time to get into some of it today. Like, um, as as someone, you know, we aren't really a part of the craft beer industry. We're more just like. People who like to drink it, you know, but well, we, you know, we observe it and we talk about it on the show, but it's not like, you know, it's not like it really, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's this, it's a long debate. The, the craft beer uh, companies being bought by the big guys, but you know, no matter what side of it you come down on, you have to kind of like sigh a little bit uh, when you find that Sapporo Holdings from Japan, who brew Sapporo beer uh, have bought San Francisco's Anchor Brewing because Anchor was That's, where it all started. And they've Anchor been Steam. around forever. And Anchor like, Steam is so good. And we were uh, we were just at, at B&B. And by the way, the show's uh, brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant. Uh, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, soon to be open in Fort Worth, Texas. And their, uh, their smoking area is awesome. Their food is amazing. The bacon is the something bacon. you'll never experience anywhere else. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, but they had, we had, uh, you and I had found a, a beer there that they have on tap that we really like. It's the... Something Cowboy. Town and City, it's uh, which is a cowboy. local brewery. Uh, it's called Uncommon Cowboy. Uncommon Cowboy, thank which you. Which is a, a steam style it's beer. It's a steam style beer, which is very much like the original Anchor Steam. And, of course, Anchor has done a number of different beers through the years. One of the things I love that they do is their Christmas ale. Uh, every year. is different every it's year. It's different every and year, and it's so good. great every year. Oh, it's year. so good. Yeah. So, so there's been a, a whole lot of debate, of course, about what the sale of a craft beer company means. Some call it a sellout. Others recognize that it could provide funds for growth and more experimentation. Uh, the market certainly is saturated with over 5,200 breweries in the U.S., um, but Anchor is following in the footsteps of Lagunitas, which we're going to try today. Stone Brewing is no longer, you know, they these guys have been acquired as well. In fact, I, I want to say Wicked be- Weed, all three of the beers that we're really excited to try today are all from breweries that have been acquired oh, by the bigger boys. Is this something like maybe a sub-pop artist moving to Warner Brothers or something like that? You know what? It's, wanna... Maybe it's more like, it might be more like if Warner Brothers bought sub-pop. Maybe that's it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Uh, but but yes, you, the distinction you make is a really good one. It's like, does it invalidate the music? Does it invalidate the beer? I understand, and I'm all for supporting the the little guys, the craft guys. I think they deserve our support and I appreciate that they've stayed true to the you know, to the mantra of craft beer. But how important is that really? Isn't it really about the beer? Uh, if you look at Carbach, uh, for example, here in Houston, uh, were bought by A B and Bev. Since they've been purchased, they've released more varieties of beers, more experimental type yeah, of stuff yeah. like the Radler. Would they have really done a Radler before you know, they had more money behind them. I wonder, I'm betting that wasn't a big sell. I wonder if there's different versions of being bought out. Like, uh, because we've all seen some beers that have been bought out that have gone, that have basically tanked because the, the quality's gone down. They moved the brewery somewhere else. They changed the beer and it's not good. Rolling Rock, I'm talking about you. Right. Um, uh, but 
but in the case of, for instance, uh, Carbach, which you know I just had a love street here, which is a fantastic, which is beer. a great beer. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the same employees at the same place, right? And the beer hasn't changed the you know to my taste buds at all yet. Right, I'm, I'll still buy it. It's still delicious, you know. And, and they've introduced some. I new do have flavor. a bunch of friends we, that are you know as soon as they got bought out, they're like, I'm never drinking that again. They're the well, traders. There was, but there was a a big uh, craft beer uh, uh, bar that I read about that. Uh, this week just removed that, uh, hay merchant all right? well hay merchant houston's done this right, another right. big one i think in chicago's now removed all anheuser-busch products right, from right. the from the bar these things are happening and yet we tasted a barley wine last week that carbot made from right here in our home city yeah, of houston that was, that was pretty good <laughs> it's pretty damn good <laughs> pretty brilliant <laughs> i mean seriously like so, so I, it's it's a tough one. I understand the arguments not, on both sides. I'm I not arguing for it. I can see where if you have a craft beer bar and someone gets bought out by one of the big boys, that I can understand that that really shades that line between okay, is this a craft beer anymore? And you don't necessarily want to uh, keep that. Sure. And you want to keep it more as a you know more purist craft beer kind and of I thing. Will, I, I will, get that. I will also say that when I go to a bar um, in the Houston area. And I'm looking at what they have on tap, and what I see is Carbach and St. Arnold's. As much as I love those, one still being an Indian, one not, sometimes I'm looking for something I haven't had. Right. And I'm very familiar with the portfolios of both of those companies. So it's like, okay, what do you have that's like just off center a little bit from some little bitty brewery well, somewhere? Just also, though, this begs the question, what about Sam Adams? Are they, um, uh, uh, are they a craft brewery? Well, I mean- yeah, uh, because yes, they're yes so big. No. They're one of the biggest craft breweries, right. but I think they still qualify because they're independently owned. Yeah, and I still have much respect for that company. Oh, big time. Uh, they're, they're the sort of East Coast version, I think, of what Anchor is on the West Coast. Right. Uh, and then also on the West Coast, you have Stone, which makes, like, they make some of the most crazy experimental IPAs in the world, and they are also owned by a larger company now. So Speaking like, of which. Yeah, speaking of which, we've got this stone. You just showed this to the camera. The Stone Ghost Hammer IPA. It's supposed to be a sessionable uh, India Pale Ale. Uh, here's what it says as Ian is pouring this uh, on, the, uh, on the can. It says, a fermenting beer never slumbers. Consequently, there's always scattered activity tending our precious beers throughout the dark hours. In these late nights and wee hours, that hallowed responsibility falls on the shoulders of the overnight brew crew. Uh, these brewing vanguards brave the long nights, often alone, to do what needs to be done. Stone loves to tell stories, by the way. Yeah, one of the things I love about their can is there's a story on mm -hmm. it. Most areas of the brewery are dark or in shadows throughout the night. The cellars resonate with the occasional knocking of expanding and contracting pipes. It can be a bit spooky to hear the brewery creak and groan as if possessed by a spirit randomly knocking about with a mallet. This IPA, brewed with a striking array of hops, honors our intrepid overnight team by naming it after their mischievous poltergeist companion, the Ghost Hammer. So there's the <laughs> that's story. A great story. Now, usually I won't read that much off of a can, but that's a great story, right? <laughs> that uh, is. This smells amazing. So I it's, it's it. supposed it to be. So it's supposed good. to be more sessionable than some of the it's, stone. It's a, which is strange for them because stones. Yeah, that's not what they're known big. for at all. You know, they're known for the double and triple very, and right. and uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but it they, has a big name. It's they must Ghost have Hammer. eight or nine IPAs in their lineup. And there's some of my favorite IPAs. That is mm. really good, by the way. Wow, it certainly is. First taste is big and bold, a little citrusy, but in I'm going to say it this way, almost a more serious way. 
than um, some of the other uh, so citrusy type IPAs? The finish on this, when you swallow, mm-hmm. you get that citrus snap, and then you get this little roll of barley, like malt. Mm-hmm. Goodness, there's definitely a malt right characteristic yeah. here that you don't get in a lot of IPAs, and it's on the back end of the uh-huh. flavor versus right up front, like they usually do. I don't know how they manage that. That's pretty amazing. You know, I'm not getting a lot from the aroma. I actually just like snorted a little bit of it up my nose accidentally because <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying that's, to pull that's some not, of the aroma. That's not how beer works. Yes, I understand. Okay. <laughs> but, but thank you for clearing that up. Uh, no, I, I was, tr- I stuck my nose in it and was was inhaling because I was trying to get. Something on the. Do you get much of a? a oh, I get hop and citrus okay. on the uh, on the fragrance more than anything. Um, it smells like like a nice light uh, IPA. Right, right. So, but the flavor, I really love. Like to me, it's not outstanding on the very front end of the flavor, but the way it finishes is so yeah, good. What like, it leaves you with is is yeah, really exceptional. Yes, this is. This is so. It's an all white can, and I believe that this is a brand a brand new. Uh, that they just came out. I haven't actually so. seen this before, I don't think. Yeah, I, I, I found this at Specs this week. So What I was percentage like, oh, did they put? Oh, 6.7. 6.7. That's yes. their sessionable. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> welcome to Stone. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> because, I now, see, I remember being, you know, trying out, you know, what was it, Ruination and some of the other ones, like, holy mackerel. Those are big, are yeah. Serious, big yeah. IPAs. And they just, you know, they they're relentless. Stone yeah. is relentless. But I I have to give them credit for this. This is a very very good IPA, so, um, very <laughs> sessionable, and I like it very much. Sessionable um, at almost seven percent. But I agree. yeah, no, I but, but so yes, good. it is, it is. Uh, while we're on the topic of beers, uh, there's a uh, <laughs> there's a. Uh, How often are we not on the topic of beers? Well, when we're I'm talking sorry, about no, when, when we're talking about cigars or spirits, sometimes well, that I guess. So yeah, or or you know. Uh, you know, T-Rex porn or whatever uh, the other, <laughs> whatever the other topic might be that comes up during the breaks. If you're not watching the Facebook Live, I mean, I'm just saying, you could be missing out on some important stuff. But on the topic of beer, not those other things, um, you know, there's a big solar eclipse coming up, and now there's a beer to celebrate it with. Uh, some like-minded breweries in Idaho. I didn't know there was anything in Idaho, but apparently there's a couple of breweries. Uh, Mother Earth Brew Company and Payette Brewing Company have collaborated to create a beer that will, and this is their words, not mine, bend space and time while you join the masses in observing and celebrating this monumental celestial event, that being the solar eclipse. The beer is called Lunartic. It's anti-gravity ale with comet and galaxy hops and mosaic lupulin dust. It's a 4.8% ABV, so it's a session pale ale, sure to quench your thirst, they say, while still allowing you to properly focus through your safe solar viewing glasses. <laughs> so uh, I looked all over for this and could not find any. I'm going to assume that it's only available in Idaho. Now, but. I have a friend of mine that sent me a message, and uh, and, and sorry, Scott, I haven't got back to you, but uh, he was looking for one of the ones that we had on there, the mm-hmm. uh, fried chicken, and couldn't find any. Oh, we're looking. By the way, anybody that comes across the fried chicken IPA, we will trade, and we'll, you know, the, the offer keeps going up. We will reciprocate. Up. The offer keeps going up, yes. All right, it's smoking and toasting coming up. I'm going to lay one on you for all the sci-fi geeks out there. Smoking and toasting. (laughs) 
Welcome back, my friends. It's Smoking and Toasting. It's episode number 52. Uh, this is the program that's all about craft beer, distinctive distilled spirits, and premium cigars. My name is Cruz. My co-host, Z and Barry, we are brought to you by the fine people. And we do love these guys. We love their place. We hang out there as much as we can possibly do. Uh, B&B Butchers and Restaurant on Washington Ave in uh, Houston. They are soon to be open in Fort Worth, and let's hope that they take over the world because these guys do it right. I, I went there with um, uh, my buddy and his wife. My wife and I went there a couple of weeks ago, just had dinner, and, uh, I mean, the place is just, they they kick other steakhouses ass. So last friend, night my wife wanted me to grill some food. I said, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Just take whatever out you want. So she brought out these big uh, chicken leg quarters. And uh, and a steak for me, which <laughs> which I thought was awesome. <laughs> Your wife is awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so she uh, seasons everything up, and I go put everything on the grill. And at the very end, like right before I take my steak off the grill, I have this little uh, little container of black truffle oil that I got from B and B because they have the little uh, butcher oh, area in the front. Yes, you can, buy, you stuff. can buy this stuff. Yes. So I bought this black truffle oil, and I put two dollops on this steak. And oh my gosh! <laughs> I love that. It was That's so, so cool. And I just remembered it last minute. I ran inside, and uh, and was like, okay, my steak's almost done. Got to go get it off the grill. And I was like, wait a second, <clears throat> there it is. It was so good. Yeah, we love those guys, and we appreciate them being the sponsor of the show. It's a fantastically awesome thing. So Ian's uh, going to crack the top. Nice on our next uh, beer, and this one is. I actually was going to bring something different in today, and I like this. Just caught my eye in the um, uh, the uh, the cooler section at Specs. Uh, I I love Lagunitas Brewing. Uh, again, they're another one that's been uh, you know that's been acquired, but I love their products. They've always been very creative, and one of the things I, they don't get probably as much credit for as they deserve is the really interesting limited-release stuff that they do in the Big Bombers. Yeah. And this one caught my eye in the cooler, and I immediately picked it up. And once I read it, I was like, okay, change of plans. We, ha- I have to bring this in to the show today. So I love this label. First off, uh, malty and fruity smell, like well, big I time. I thought this would be up your alley based big time. on, the, based like, on like the, the fruit comes out mm-hmm. big time on it. It says a malty, robust, jobless recovery ale. <laughs> So this is what you drink when you're out of work? I don't know. I love the idea, but... Uh, right. We're not quite red or in the black. Does that mean we're in the brown? Question mark. That's and what it, it is says a very the... brown. I'm holding this up for the camera if you're on Facebook yes. Live. It is a very brownish colored uh, ale, almost auburn uh, colored there. So Yeah, it's pretty. It smells great. Uh, it's 8.1% on top of that. So I just took the first sip, Ian. You, I think you're going to be. Is, is it? It smells. I think like you it. have a new fave here. It um, looks like it too. Just look at the consistency almost, of that. It almost gives you a bit of that feel that a barley wine does, but without as much of the date and mm. uh, similar fig to similar mouthfeel to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's got a definite, uh, a definite. Um, a big feel to it. It feels like this one is all about the malt. That that's the primary. That this yeah. was a beer kind of crafted for malt lovers. You but know they have saying? it bittered to where it's not a sweet <clears throat> beer. It's the Lagunitas. I, I don't know if we said in this segment the name of it, but it's the Wilco Tango Foxtrot, which is of course WTF. WTF. Which that, uh, that was what caught my. You know, 
it's great marketing because immediately <laughs> I thought, well, I have to try that. <laughs> Anything you know? that just says WTF. Yeah. And I also want to say, and I was at Specs, but uh, so I don't know if the price would be different elsewhere, but I also want to say it was about five bucks. Like it wasn't one of those, wow, this looks good. And I get to the register and it's $23, which maybe that's does why it was the uh, jobless recovery. Yes. Day. You know, you may be right about that. Uh, this is, a, this is a very delicious multi beer. This is good. This how is do good. you, how do you like the finish on this? I like the finish on it. It's very bitter though. It's like, it's got it a bitter have, snap yes. to it. Not in a bad mm-hmm. way by any means, but uh, a very bitter. And you would almost a assume a sort that, of beer bitter. Right. Uh, right. Snap. And, and a, Beer this malty isn't usually this bitter on the end. It usually leaves you with a sweetness on the end, and they really have the uh, have it hopped at the end to where it finishes more crisp for such a big beer, which is unusual. So if you're out of, if you're out of work and enjoying this fine malty jobless recovery yeah, ale okay. from Lagunitas, maybe sitting at home with time to kill, so you're you know just perusing through your Netflix queue because nobody like flips. Through the channels anymore. No, That's who does so that? ten years That's, ago, yeah. right? And now people, you know, flip through the Netflix queue. So if you're perusing your Netflix queue, you may have come up with this question on your own, uh, uh, and I, I can't imagine that you wouldn't have if you have any interest in the subject matter at all, because I won't say it's a debate as old as time, but it's one that has been raging for a while. It's not about the left versus the right. It's not about Republican and Democrat. It's not about Alabama or Auburn. I know that's a big one for people that are football fans in the South. It's about Star Trek versus Star Wars. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you're nonplussed. You actually, I was looking at our notes going, which one what of these the hell is, is he talking, talking about? about yeah. on that? You totally had me. <laughs> totally so lost. I have something for uh, for both camps today and you can figure out which of these you think is the most awesome and ian you can pick which one we go with first star trek beer or star wars cocktails Mm. i don't know that's a tough one i see i'm much more star trek i think star wars never had tribbles (laughs) that may be the best explanation i've ever heard for why you would choose one over the other we all know tribbles make the best beer we'll start with star trek we'll save star wars for last schmaltz brewing company that's really their name of course it is s-h-m-a-l-t-z schmaltz brewing company and let me just say and i'm a i'm a lifelong star trek fan but i would have bought their beer they had me at schmaltz like yeah i would have totally tried that yeah they don't Um, don't need any more uh quantifier there a couple of years ago they did a very limited beer called vulcan ale the genesis effect last (laughs) year they marked the 40th anniversary of the debut of the original star trek series with a golden ale named for one of the most beloved early episodes here you go ian uh this was a beer made with a grain called triticale which was a nod to quadro triticale which was the grain that the Tribbles eat in the episode of uh, the Trouble with the Tribbles? And How did I even put that all together? I don't know. Well, that's why I'm. That's why I'm telling you, <laughs> just so you'll know. Uh, then came brews called Voyage to the Northeast Quadrant, and earlier this year, a Klingon Imperial Porter. This summer, Schmaltz is marking the 30th anniversary of Star Trek: The Next Generation with a hoppy wheat beer called Symbiosis. It's described as a smooth, easy-drinking ale with prominent wheat maltiness and distinctive flavors and aromas of Warrior, Centennial, and Amarillo hops. It's 5.5 ABV, uh, named for an episode of The Next Generation, and it made its uh, debut in July at, of course, Comic-Con. 
uh-huh. and it's a limited edition beer. Now available in four packs and on tap. And uh, this is going to be another one of those because this is breweries from upstate New York, and I'm guessing we can't find it here in Texas. So this is another one that I will say we we trade beer, we trade good beer for you if you can get hold of some of this and, and, and <laughs> send, send it, it to us because we've got to have it. All right, quickly. Uh, uh, let me run through the Star Wars cocktails. These come from Liquor.com. Five Star Wars cocktails recipes. Now you know my wife's going to be trying all Far, those. far away. Oh, yeah. So the, and these these look really good, too. Number one uh, came from Lewis Hirsch, the GM of Morel's Steakhouse and Bistro, uh, Bistro at the Palazzo in Las Vegas. Uh, it's a nod to the reluctant rebel pilot and all-around intergalactic heartthrob, Han Solo. The cocktail is called Flying Solo because only a person of his confidence could find a use for the this they say here the pink-headed stepchild of the wine world white zinfandel <laughs> uh, which is part of how uh part of how this is made so uh i will be posting a link to this story by the way and the link has uh, all the recipes so that way i don't have to give them to you on the show but we'll post that on the facebook page number two uh came from a bar called the sixth in chicago's lincoln square uh, beverage director Benjamin Schiller there couldn't resist making a molded pate de fruit head garnish of Darth Vader uh, for this cheerful tropical drink. So uh, this is a very small photo. We, and I can't. Even, I, don't, I know it won't show up on there, but that's a little Darth Vader head floating mm, in the brilliant. top of the highball glass there. Uh, this this uh, drink is called the Sarlacc Pit, which, if you remember, was from uh, what was it? Return of the Jedi or no? Uh, Whatever the the last movie in the series, you was. might be asking the wrong person. Uh, number three is Bothan. You know, I'm uh, I'm a good a, a good you know Star Wars fan, but I didn't remember what uh, Bothan was. Apparently, uh, Bothan is named after the species of rebel spies who provided the rebellion with the plans to blow up the Death Star in Return of the Jedi. Uh, Billy Nichols, who manages the bar Fawn in Brooklyn. Uh, named this uh, galactically green-hued concoction after the Bothan and said, I'm a Star Wars nerd. I thought this green, cloudy tequila cocktail looked the part. Uh, Number four, Valley of the Dark Lords. One part inspiration from Blood and Sand, one part terrarium. This cocktail from Sol Treche is a terrestrial textural treat. From La Cuveta in the Highland Park neighborhood of Los Angeles, the uh, GM there says, we wanted a cocktail that if you were looking through a telescope from another planet, you would see sand and living creatures. (laughs) We added turmeric for sand color and texture and chia seeds for the creatures effect. So so that's what's in the cocktails. Again, all these recipes, we'll have links to all these recipes on the Facebook page. uh, Facebook page. And finally, and I think this one may be my favorite. Uh, It's number five. It's called, the name of the drink is, a drink Yoda is. Uh, the folks at uh, Dats in Tampa like to have some fun with their food and drink, uh, whether it's candy in the cocktails or nods to pop culture icons. And this homage to that little pointy-eared bundle of wisdom, Yoda, by Morgan Zook, uh, manages to make, uh, it says here, wayward whimsy taste pretty great. So there's your five uh, Star Wars cocktails. So Star Trek beer, Star Wars cocktails. Yeah, I'm down with all of it, actually. Uh, I will say... I've been to the Star Trek section at the Hilton in Las Vegas and had Romulan Ale there, and it wasn't bad. It wasn't <laughs> Romulan bad. Romulan Ale. You were listening to Smoking and Toasting. We will be back. Oh, and we're going to taste some tequila that is definitely, uh, well, it's rumored to be out of this world. We'll see uh, how good it is coming up next. 
Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. <clears throat> my name is Cruz. My partner is uh, Ian Berry. This program is brought to you uh, by the fine folks at B&B Butchers and Restaurant on uh, Washington Ave in Houston. And coming soon to Fort Worth. And we will be planning a road trip, by the way. Uh, when the Fort Worth uh, location opens, we'll be there and do a live broadcast from there, which we're looking forward to. <clears throat> I, I I don't want to be alarmist like one of those uh, the sky is falling you know talk show radio hosts where everything's you know, their whole thing about the, it's the war on Christmas it's the war on this it's the war on that <laughs> right uh, I'm not saying they're right or wrong I'm just saying it's the language is a bit explosive like it's a bit incendiary eventually there's um, going to be an event called war palooza okay and when it when it comes that's that's it for me i just I'm know done. that the palooza thing i'm done yeah oh yeah it makes me crazy piece. it makes it crazy <laughs> but with all that said i've decided that we may need to do a segment on the show called the war on cigars because there really is one uh and it's it's all this legislation and all these um you know, cities and towns and states and, and federal governments, people that are passing these laws that are really detrimental to people who enjoy smoking the occasional premium cigar. We're not talking about cigarettes here. We're not talking about, I'm not saying war on tobacco. I'm saying war on cigars because cigars get caught in the crossfire and they're a very different product from cigarettes or from, you know, uh, chewing tobacco or any of the other type of things. Yeah, I'm they not, totally get lumped in. Yeah, the- I'm not even knocking those things. I'm simply saying they're a different product. And the latest war on cigars battlefront is New York City. I think we need an important dun, 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 the war on cigars. Man, uh, if only we'll have I to, had We'll have to get sounds. that produced. The witch sounds? We need that sound. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I used to love uh, visiting New York City for this explicit purpose of going to their cigar shops. I love uh, the big uh, Nat Sherman store there. I love going to JR Cigars there. Uh, there's so many great little shops uh, across the city, great places to stop and smoke. Uh, and I used to love going to New York, buying a bunch of cigars and taking them home. Uh, that could be coming to an end for me. By this time next year, cigar prices in New York City are going to look dramatically higher than they do now. New York City's Committee on Health passed a series of anti-tobacco bills that will raise the cost of cigars, including value-priced premium and machine-made smokes that are sold within the city limits of New York City. The aggressive new anti-tobacco legislation addresses cigarette pricing, retailer licensing, and bans the sale of tobacco in pharmacies. Okay, fine. But for cigar lovers and retail shops, Bill number 1544B is the most important piece of legislation which was passed by the Health Committee and now by the full New York City Council. This bill calls for the minimum price of a cigar which is defined by New York City as any roll of tobacco for smoking that's wrapped in leaf tobacco or any substance containing tobacco with or without a tip or a mouthpiece. In other words, it doesn't distinguish between machine-made and premium uh, handmade cigars. Under this bill, cigars sold individually must adhere to a floor price of no less than $8. You have got to be kidding me. No. That means you will not be able, and actually, it doesn't stop there because that means the a Swisher Sweet will a be a Swisher Sweet will be eight dollars. Yes, you know one of those little Swisher Sweet packs of two, yeah, sixteen bucks. Actually, and it's worse than that because the measure also assesses, assesses an excise tax on cigars at the rate of ten percent, 
of that $8 minimum or 80 cents. That means you cannot buy, once this goes into effect, a cigar in New York City for less than $8.80. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter how crappy a cigar it is. They've literally just put every cigar shop out of business. I, I think it's going to make things really tough. You know, I have that. I have this old sign that I found in a shop someplace that I bought and brought home and that is above the, the doorway of my house. It says cigars five cents. Right. You know, like one of those old timey signs. But wow. The $8. the day of the five five cent cigar is now an eight dollar and eighty cent cigar. Uh a box of cigars. Um but by the way, I mean single cigars can't be sold for less than eight eighty, and this is before state, federal, and Tobacco taxes are applied. That's unbelievable. So, then a box of cigars, the price floor would be calculated by counting the number of cigars in the box, multiplied by a dollar and seventy-five cents plus six dollars and twenty-five cents. And then the excise tax for a box would break down to be about eighty cents for the first cigar and then 0.175 cents for each additional cigar. So there is a little bit of a price break, but when this new bill becomes law, a cigar that carries a suggested retail price of, let's say, $6.50, would have to be sold for $8, plus the $0.80 cent tax, and a box of 20 cigars would need to be sold at a minimum price. Think of the crappiest cigars you can buy. Minimum price, forty-five thirty-eight after taxes. So what New York is saying is we would like to create a black market yeah. for premium hand-rolled cigars. Or we'd like for people to never fly to New York like I might do sometime and buy cigars from our local cigar shops and then And they're already go home. making so many taxes off cigars anyway. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons cigar companies don't make a lot of the smaller cigars anymore. Right. Because the taxes, because are, the the taxes same, are the same as they are on the big one. Whether your cigar is a right. Churchill or it's a small cigar, That's exactly which right. puts the prices of those small cigars so high that people just generally don't even buy them anymore. According to the Cigar Aficionado Tasting Database, the editors have tested roughly 413 cigars so far in 2017. Of that number, 161 cigars retail for less than $8, or about 38%. But I want to mention that these guys don't test kind of like bargain cigars. In Cigar Aficionado. They're not testing any JR alternatives or any, you know, my one of my favorite sort of go-to cigars, it's a JR alternative cigar. It's, it's about $2.55 a stick. Yeah. And I smoke them all the time. Now they're $8. That would be $8.80 if That's I bought it at the JR shop nuts. in New York. Nuts. Yeah. Nuts. Absolutely, Absolutely nuts. So there is a war on cigars. And if, it, you know, it's one of those things like you, you got to stand up because- this will happen in your town too if you live somewhere other than New York. So let's It'll let's bring place let's next. make this a lot lighter now. Okay, let's, let's do, do this. It. I'm gonna open uh-huh. this. Ah, uh, there we go. Oh, yeah, that was that was the sound. I know that sound may have gotten a little muted, but that was the sound of the tequila being opened and now poured. So very excited it's about tequila uh, time. Yes, it is, and it should always be tequila time. By the way, <laughs> tequila time doesn't have to be a specific mm-hmm. time. That's right. It's always tequila time somewhere. Isn't that what? Uh, that Jimmy Buffett or somebody said that? <laughs> yeah. I think he's a rum guy. But uh, uh, we are going to be tasting the Tequila Sueño de Azzo. It's Azzo's dream. According to legend, it says on the bottle, uh, dreams of, and boy, this is going to be a Mexican wow. traditional name that I can't pronounce, H-U-I-T-Z-I-L-O-P-O-C-H-T-I. Good luck. Huitzilopochtli. 
I just butchered that, I know. And I haven't even had any of the tequila. Anyway, the dreams of this particular person led the Aztecs to their capital. In the spirit of New Frontiers, we offer you our first ever Añejo aged over three years in our signature charred oak barrels. This is their extra Añejo. So this is the top of the line for this particular okay. tequila company. I just want to say it tastes like the top of the line. Yeah. Um Pepper, white pepper on the top of the palate. Mm. Uh, a beautiful warming heat all the way around. You know, and it's nice and smooth. Uh, oak. Like, the yes. oak finish on this is almost astringent. It's it's beautiful. It's got this great finish, and that white pepper keeps it lingering just a little yes. bit. Yes, I love the way you described it. This is so accurate. Uh, you should do this for a living. Uh, <laughs> Somebody uh, should pay me for this. <laughs> uh, it's so accurate that you described it as a warming he heat. Is yeah, that the way yeah. you said it? Because what happens is after you swallow, it just sort of very slowly warms up. Yeah. Uh, and then... And then, and we'll then mellows mellow right, right out. And yes. then you get that and then you get that oak finish mm. right after the heat goes away. And it's actually this is more fun if you take a sip and then wait. Yes, I agree. It's wait not one to be it's not done. To be sipped again real quick. You're absolutely right. Um this is delicious. It really is good. Well, <laughs> I I have to say, um I I picked this up at uh Specs uh superstore and it was one of those things where I was in the tequila aisle and I was looking around because I I thought it'd be, we haven't tasted a tequila on the show in a while. I thought it'd be, it'd be good to get something. So I'm looking down the aisle. I'm looking for something that I haven't tried. And uh, the guy there, can I help you, sir? I said, oh, no, I'm just kind of scanning the tequilas. And and, and then I, I said, do you have anything new? And he went directly to this and then started telling me all about it. And I thought, you know, I mean, I don't know. Like, how do they, how do they train the salespeople? Do they go, hey, really push this? Or has he tried it and thinks it's really great? But he was so convincing that I was going to love this that I was like, okay, so this is the one that I went for. And uh, I have to say, I'm not disappointed. You know, so the oak, and then after, if you don't take a sip for a while, you get a lingering vanilla kind mm -hmm. of thing that trails after it. It's like there's it's, also a vanilla right on the very yes. front. But then as soon as you sort of take the rest of the tequila into your mouth, that... Um, it turns into that pepper yeah, and that... And that sort of, uh, what do you call it, the uh, um, uh, the blue agave sort of taste yeah. comes comes on a little stronger. This is a very good tequila. It's I a would, very complex tequila, yes, too. I would put it up there with my favorite, uh, which is the Skelly uh, Añejo. Um, it's not quite as smooth it's got a little more burn to it it's not sweet it's like that it's, it's not as sweet it's but it's sweet real like close that, yeah. so uh, real right close. before we finish this segment i just want to uh, uh harken back to the last segment where you had the star wars and the star trek oh, see, i want I, somebody i thought i was probably you're not done yet wasn't gonna wasn't gonna like torture you <laughs> with any more of that stuff. Uh, i want somebody to send me a good uh, uh recipe for a pan galactic gargle blaster okay Dude, that's what I, I need i don't know if i know what that is that's from the Hitchhiker's Guide. Come oh, on, I thought you okay. were a geek. Well, I am, but I'm thinking Star Wars and the Pangalactic. Okay, gotcha. The Pangalactic gotcha. Gargle Blaster. All right, fair enough. All right, we're going to be back for our final segment, and in it, we taste Wicked Weed Medora, and I'm very excited about it. I wish you were here with me, walking on the beach in Hawaii. <laughs> Thank you. 
Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. It is so nice to have you here on That's the program. That's new. <laughs> yeah, I think it's been in the folder for a while. Bobby's just mixing it up today, which I like. <laughs> uh, which I like. Welcome back to the show. We are uh, all about uh, craft beer, uh, premium distilled spirits, and fine hand-rolled cigars. We enjoy all those things. We like talking about them, and that's basically what the show is. Um, and uh, my name's Cruz. This is Ian. We have uh, a fine sponsor. It's B&B Butchers and Restaurant on uh, Washington Ave in Houston. Now, Ian, we've talked a lot. We're doing tequila today. I'm still really enjoying uh, this uh, Sueño de Atza. I'm not, but that's uh, because I drank it. Okay. <laughs> good, good. There is more, <laughs> by the way. The bottle was uh, brand new. Um, but we have talked a lot in the past several um, shows about whiskey. We had uh, uh, Glenn Morangy uh, mm-hmm. on um, last week. We had uh, Balvini on uh, the week before. And uh, you and I have uh, talked a bit about whiskey even on the shows before that. So we haven't really done a lot of whiskey talk today, but I thought you would find this interesting. Uh, Liquor.com, which is a great website, by the way. I've really enjoyed checking these guys out. Um, they uh, had, had an article uh, recently, it was posted in late July, that says, are these the eight best bourbons not from Kentucky? Hmm. And I thought I would uh, read you the list here and see what you thought, because you're, you're much more knowledgeable when it comes uh, to bourbon and whiskey than I am. Although I'm learning, and, and having fun learning, by the way. Oh. Well, the Glenn step Morangy one, we had last bourbon time. good. Bur- okay, good. See, as long as you start with step one, yes. then you'll be okay. That, so, that gets your foot in the door. I don't know if you'll know any or all of these. I think you'll know some of them. Uh, their number eight was a $40 whiskey called Wyoming Whiskey Small Batch. Seen it, hadn't tried it. Okay, that was their number eight. Number seven was Woodenville Straight, $39.95 retail. Never heard of it. Okay. Number six was Wiggle Waspy Valley, Pennsylvania. I want you to say that three times fast. <laughs> Wiggle Waspy Valley, Pennsylvania. Wiggle Waspy Valley, Pennsylvania. Walla, Washington. Exactly. Uh, number five was John J. Bowman. Uh, by the way, the Wiggle Waspy Valley, Pennsylvania, a $58 bottle. Okay. So these are not like uh, all super expensive, right? Uh, John J. Bowman at number five, a $50 uh, bottle uh, from Virginia's A. Smith Bowman Distillery. Single barrel, 100 proof, age between 9 and 11 years. Number four, a $50 bottle of Hudson Bay. Mm. Now, you know about this, right? Mm-hmm. And Jeremiah has talked about Hudson Bay mm-hmm. on the show before. These guys uh, apparently are the real so, deal. So, yeah, I, I started telling a story earlier. I had my brother buy a bottle of that four-grain Hudson. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he got to the store, I was on the phone with him while he was shopping. And he got to the store and he goes, this is such a small bottle for 50-something dollars. <laughs> I said, trust me. <laughs> and he decided he actually has to hide that bottle from himself because it's that good. Oh, well, that's that's good. <laughs> so I don't want to misquote Jeremiah, our buddy from uh, who's the bar manager at B&B in Houston. Uh, but he is going soon to the Hudson Bay, to mm-hmm. New York, uh, to sample and taste. They're going to get, B&B is going to get the first cask, apparently, that's available of a brand new whiskey that he will have uh, tried from the Hudson He's Bay. He's so whiskey excited company. about it. It's like watching is, a yeah. little kid wait for Christmas. I know. It's like it's <laughs> like watching me talking about going to a Star Trek convention. That's how <laughs> that's how exciting it is. Um, uh, so uh, number four was Hudson Bay. Number three, Hill Rock Estate Solera, aged. Does that ring a bell with you? It's Mm-mm. an eighty dollar bottle. Ooh. Okay. Uh, number two, Few, F E W, Few Bourbon. A $45 bottle, the least expensive bottle on this uh, wow. list, by the way. 
I believe. And number one, Dre Fly, or I'm sorry, Dry Fly. Sorry, I watched the Dr. Dre uh, just, uh, um, uh, <laughs> thing on uh, on Apple TV the, documentary, the other day. The yeah. documentary, yes. Uh, Dry Fly 101, a fifty nine ninety five from Dry Fly Distilling, uh, I believe, in Washington State. Bourbon 101. So, uh, so anyway, I don't know if any of those are familiar to you. But it's a fascinating article. You can find it at liquor.com. We'll try to link to it on the Facebook I may have page. To, I may have to look well. that up and uh, go pick up a couple of those. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, sounds like some uh, a research project yes. is in order. Speaking of research, we've talked a lot about Wicked Weed on the show, but never actually sampled and tasted a Wicked Weed uh, for sampling on the show purposes. And now, oh, that was nice. That was, that was like... Of all the ones we've done, that may have been the best timing. Uh, Ian has just opened this bottle of the Wicked Weed, and you've got the bottle, so tell me what it says. Okay, so the bottle says, uh, Wicked Weed Brewing uh, Medora American Sour sour Ale fermented with blackberries and raspberries. And what's the, uh, is this got a big, I think it's like a six and a half ABV? Yep, 6.6. 6.6, okay. But I have it's a, a feeling. blonde sour ale aged in red wine barrels with one pound of blackberries and raspberries per gallon. Holy Toledo! <laughs> Holy Toledo is not written in there. That was yeah. my own explicative. Now, did you did you when you popped the top on this? Did it um, did oh, it yeah. give off like a oh, yeah. blueberry blackberry sort of aroma? Yeah. And and sour like you can sour, you know uh, you can I love a good smell sour, beer. A sour ale. I love a good sour ale uh, as long as it's. That enjoyable kind of sour. You know what I'm like, talking about? I like most every sour ale. We we talk about this, uh, we've talked about this in the show before, but sometimes if, if it's a sour that you would describe almost more as tart, I like it better. See, I was drinking Petrus before Petrus was cool. Mm, well, that's because you are that guy. <laughs> you know, I, I think we can. I think we can say this uh, without without any problem. Now, Wicked Weed is one of the um, one of the breweries that's been talked about a lot because it had such a cult following as a craft brewery, and there was an absolute uproar when it was sold. To one of the big guys, I think it was AB InBev that bought uh, Wicked Weed. I have to double check my information, but there was such an uproar because this brewery just had these dyed-in-the-wool fans. Yeah, tell me, uh, is this is this worthy of dyed-in-the-wool fans? This is pretty good. Yeah, um, it's not as complex as the name implies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good. It's fruity. It's when you, sour. When you look at this at this label, uh, and I am showing it to the camera on Facebook Live now. When you look at that label. It does imply that it's a very complex beer. I mean, yeah. this this looks like a, I don't know, looks like a character in Mass Effect or something. <laughs> it's uh, it looks it looks very uh, very complex. Now, <clears throat> okay, let me read you this a little bit of this. It says the daughter of a king, Medora was uh, wrought with the burden of expectations. Her father did uh, his utmost to speak confidence into his young daughter. Time passed, and with it the king, leaving Madura his sole heir. Her melancholy deepened. One night a great meteor flashed across the northern sky. Her father's words lit into her heart. Choose happiness. No expectation or circumstance can usurp your will to rejoice in them. Madura thrived, and as for imposed expectations, she never gave them credence again. Now that's the story from the label. When you read that story, you're expecting a lot of complexity. And Wicked Weed, I'll, I'll just be honest, the the bar's a little high here, right? I don't find that it's that complex, to be honest with you. Um, <clears throat> I like it. It's drinkable. Uh, and actually, it seems to get better after a few sips, too. Like, 
you start to get some more nuances. But again, I don't think it's big and complex. It's mm-hmm. it's a pretty good sour ale. Um, How would you compare this with one of our personal favorite sours, which is the uh, Raspberry AF from uh, St. Arnold? This is a little bigger on the sour. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's about the same fruitiness as far as just yes, the amount of fruit. The amount of fruit, I agree. Um, the Raspberry AF is very one-dimensional. It is a fantastic dimension. It's fantastic, yes. And I like it very much. Um, this is more complex than that, but at the same time, I expected a little more from Wicked Weed. Like, just a little more You were looking stuff for something, going on. Yeah, you were looking for something a little more, like, exclusive almost, yeah, right? yeah. 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 Uh, but I'll say this is a very good beer. It's now, drinkable. I have no um, problems with this. But. Now, this is not a full um, 750 milliliter. This is a 500 milliliter. Right. So your normal bombers, like the Lagunitas that we had earlier, uh, those are usually 750. So this is a little smaller. And I want to say, from a price standpoint, about the same as you'd expect to pay for a 750. I think this may be uh, a little more carbonated than I prefer to. Mm. Like it's pretty fizzy. Um, that some said, people like that. That said, it's pretty refreshing. Which, looking at this bottle, I was not expecting refreshing. Right. You know, it's Especially got a from dark a kind ale. of feel to it, and it doesn't have a very dark flavor to it. I no, will say what I, one, one of the things I'll say that. The most positive uh, uh, comment that I want to make about it is that it is not sweet. No. And, when, of course, the sour helps take care of that. But mm-hmm. when you're talking about a blueberry ale, I had an Abita Purple Haze the other day. And, uh, you know, parts of it I like, but it's still a little sweet on the palate for me. Yeah, I'm not you a know? big fan of that. I like a lot of Abita things, but yes. the blueberry is not my Yeah. Uh, it, again, a little. This is from back when I would have told you. That I'm not crazy about fruit in beer, and then we um, we've gone through this last year or so where some of these amazing berry sours have come out, and of course the whole citrus IPA thing has really sort of changed my stance on that. But I still don't like those sort of the overly sweet, sweet yeah. uh, 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 raspberry and and blackberry kind of beers. Uh, this is definitely not that. Though. No, it's this very is drinkable, drinkable. And, and it's evidenced by the fact that I just finished my glass of it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I'm not hating on it, but I just I expected it to be a little more. So I would say that uh, I'm I wanted this to be a little bit more complex and a little more interesting to me. And as it is, it's a good beer. Uh want to say as we wrap up the show and thank you, uh, Ian, this, you know, I will say the more of this I drink, the better I like it. It gets better after yeah, a few sips. It really does. Uh, I want to congratulate our friends, and I say our friends metaphorically because we actually don't know these people, uh, although we uh, need to invite them to be on the show. Eighth Wonder is one of the coolest up-and-coming uh, craft breweries in uh, the Houston area, not far from where either of us live. Uh, they've just begun selling beer in San Antonio and Galveston as well. So I wanted to congratulate them because uh, they're you know they're a small operation and it's cool to see them and they're good beer. getting to expand and they make great great beer. Well, folks, we've had a wonderful time here on show number fifty two and uh, tasted some very interesting things. And Ian, any last uh, words you want to throw in on the show? Smoking and toasting, baby. <laughs> Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week for show number 53. And uh, cheers. This cheers to you. Radio Clash on Pirates Satellite.